Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full time in our life. We ask that you allow us to be more like you. God, let our, our forgiveness in life be more like you. Let our love for other people be more like you. Let our giving be more like you. Let our attitudes be more like you. God, allow us to receive your word today in a way that it, it can actually impact and change our lives. God, allow me to speak the things that are edifying to the hearer and let me be able to give hope to those that are lost and in despair. God, I thank you so much for just giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us access to you, God. Thank you for allowing us to have a direct connection with you, Lord. And so I thank you so much for filling me up with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for giving me the word. Um, please allow me to speak the word in a way that I don't forget anything that I need to talk about and let it resonate on the hearts of everyone that is listening. Please, Father God, each time we read your word, allow us to be able to perceive and understand. Allow us to be able to hear it and really, really um, apply it and let it impact our lives to the point where we can have comprehension and understanding of your word, Lord. We thank you so much for your will being done in our life. Most importantly, God, please allow your will to be done, not ours or anyone else's, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So I've been talking about um, women's health and how, you know, we need to stay positive. Being positive is really going to make a significant impact in our lives. So we understand that when you are stressed out, stress not only impacts your, um, stress not only impacts your mind, but it also impacts your physical health. So your prefrontal cortex is here. Um, and that is how you process information. The more stress you have, the more trauma you experience, that that shrinks, actually. So that's a part of your brain that is something that is important to be able to, you know, remain mentally healthy in order for your prefrontal cortex to grow and to, you know, pretty much keep you afloat in life. So God has allowed our brain to have responses to stress and trauma. So your amygdala is basically um, the second part that really impacts the way you perceive things and your feelings and your emotions. So your amygdala is, is a, a signal to your hippocampus, but your hypo, your, um, what is it? The hypotha, um, hypotha, uh, hypothalamus, that's what it's pronounced, hypothalamus, that controls your emotions and feelings. So if your emotions and feelings are out of place with your pituitary gland, that is something in your brain that, that maintains the pH balance in your body, right? Um, just on Friday, I was talking about the oxytocin in your body. Oxytocin is a hormone that is released that is in your body that is the love hormone. And so too many times we think that oxytocin is something that is only released during like a sexual intimacy. But it's actually, in fact, a love hormone that is distributed throughout our entire body. The way we respond to people when they are not, you know, when they're not treating us right or if they are, you know, doing certain things in a way that it causes us to respond to them in an adverse way. And so that 
This allows us to utilize our oxytocin, the love hormone. So our love hormone allows us to have forgiveness in our heart. It allows us to move forward from situations that may prohibit you from moving forward because when you have love in your life, the only thing you can do is move on. The only thing, the only option for you is to go and move forward. So I know I had talked about, so on Friday, I talked about my son he, with him getting a tattoo. And I really wanted to share. Um, so today in church, I was actually at the online church today. Um, I had a, quite a few things to do today. And um, in response to that, I was online at church. And so I um, was at Paula White Ministry, her story life uh, church which is a part of uh, City of Destiny out in Florida. And this is an awesome church. Her son, Brad, uh, he was preaching today. And I want to share a, like a snippet of what he was talking about. It's kind of like really important. And so um, it really applies to some of the things that I want to discuss today. So on, on uh, Friday, I talked about my son, him getting a tattoo. But what I did not mention is the fact that my son... He had access to a weapon as well. And so I'm going to just be very honest about this. I I moved to Memphis because Memphis is a great place to basically have, um, uh, it's normalized. Weapons are normalized in Memphis, right? The, Memphis will probably be one of the last states to change any of the gun laws, even though that, you know, um, Congress is pretty adamant about changing the gun laws in Memphis but it's probably most likely going to be one of the last states to change some of their gun policies or gun reform. Um, the, the right to bear arms is something that is significant in the United States. Although these things aren't um, always agreed upon when there is violence that's taking place in the lives of many people. So we have to also consider that when our rights are diminished, um, many, many times when you get rights to one thing you give up rights to others in other areas so there is really no no free lunch right so if you give up certain freedoms you're also giving up other freedoms attached to that and um so i i am a supporter of being able to have a right to carry i believe that guns is something that um you know people go to war with and it, it is a way to protect as a protection um and so war in other countries or you know um that is a way to protect our uh freedoms and so god talks about you know wars in the bible um there are a lot of discussions about war in the bible so without weaponry there wouldn't um be a lot of um you know uh su success even the bible talks about making sure that we have the armor of god and so the armor of god is something that is a protection so we we sh we should be protected. The word of God is the sword, right? And so these things are also um, uh, very powerful, and it's something that we should be able to, you know, uphold. So when you think about, um, when I think about gun reform, I guess I'm not too supportive of that. I I agree with a lot of the current gun policies. I believe that some people should. Yes, they, they should have more in-depth evaluations, right? Um, because you have people who are suffering from mental um, 
mental health conditions and they really need help and assistance, specifically with the country going uh, um, in a rate of, um, you know, having so many inconsistencies with gender identity. There is a, a discrepancy with, you know, um, the correlation between mental health uh, disorders and also gender identity. And so that is something that isn't addressed pretty much in society. It's been addressed openly where people can be open about their gender identity. However, based off of the statistics, the the numbers are um, too large for, um, for um, professionals not to consider the fact that there is a correlation between mental health disorders and gender identity. And so I've talked a lot about that on the podcast. Um, but I wanted to really specifically say that, you know, with that correlation happening in the world, you know, it does cause for some gun reform. However, I believe that there should be a little bit more of mental evaluations, mental health evaluations that are performed um, for individuals that are seeking um, licenses. Um, however, going back to the topic, I wanted to say specifically my son has pretty much been around um, guns his whole entire life. Um, like I said, I am a, a, a supporter of guns. Um, and so I believe that we should have a right to bear arms. Um, and so that's just something that I believe, right? And uh, with that being said, so my son... I guess he received a weapon from someone. And, and so that has been resolved. It has been taken care of. But the point of the matter is, is that um, someone gave my son a gun. And so that was something that was inappropriate. And so when I, when I prayed, I specifically prayed to God and said that, God, you said that vengeance is yours, Lord. You said that vengeance is yours. It is wrong for someone to give um, a minor a, a, a gun, right? He's not, he, he'll be 18, but he's not 18 yet. He'll be 18 really soon. Um, so I do have an issue with that. And so what I'm, the reason why I'm talking about this is because when I heard, I heard in church today, the pastor Brad, he was talking about, you know, like, um, having forgiveness and we don't pray a certain type of way to, um, you know, see bad, pray, pr see bad things happen to other people. So I want you all to know that that is something that I do not do. I do not pray for God to just take vengeance on people. I really do pray in a way where I say, God, please allow my enemies to let go of the evil that they're holding on to. Let them let go of the things that is holding them back and prohibiting them from worshiping you and praising you, God, and from believing in you, God. Take everything in them that, that you did not put in their life and in their heart and uproot it out, God. Let them live for you. Whatever it takes, shaking and awakening them so they can let go of the evil spirits and the wickedness that they are, you know, um, engaging in lord god whatever it takes let them be able to see so that they can perceive and let them hear so that they can understand what your word is saying lord god let them comprehend god and so that's the way i normally pray for my enemies because um i i, I kind of been that way a pretty long time i learned that uh i talked about this i believe last year on forgiveness 
And when you have forgiveness in your heart, you really don't hold on to things for too long, right? You have to let them go so you can let God shine in you. And so when you let it go, you, you allow um, you allow God to work in their life. It's no reason to ponder on things and focus on things in life that isn't going to be beneficial to your walk with Christ and your success. So if you focus in on a problem, that means you're a pessimistic uh, focus. You're, you having pessimistic ideologies. And so being pessimistic, you can focus on negative things instead of the positive. And I tend not to be that way. I don't, I don't like doing that. So I don't focus on the problems. I pretty much focus on what's the next thing to do. How can I move from step A to get to step B and from step B to get to step C? And so that is what my goal objectives always are, is to move forward. What is the next step? Okay, yes, if I lose a job, I, I need to make sure my, my resume is updated. I need to be applying for jobs every day. It is my job to look for a job. So I'm going to look and be diligent and, and apply for a job at least four to six hours a day. That is my job. Working part-time to get a job. So that is my goal. And that's what I've been doing. But I kind of like slacked on that area, um, specifically because I'm I'm very picky. I don't want to do any type of contract work. I want a permanent position. But the reason why I'm explaining this is because, see, my choices are going to lead me into uh, the way that that I'm going to have favor. So I have favor with God. God is going to open the door where I'm not going to work a contract position. I'm going to work a permanent position. And so that is pretty much what it's been taking me a long time with the career that I want. But what I'm the reason why I'm saying all of this is that your choices will either open up doors for you or it'll create doors that'll be open in a way that isn't inclusive for your life, that isn't congruent to the things that God has planned for you. God has a plan, he has a will, and he has a purpose for your life. And so in order for God's will to be fulfilled in your life, you want to make sure that your 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 plan is aligned with the plan and will of God, right? So we need to be setting these goals and having smart goals and um just making sure we're including God in our life and God in our decisions. So when I talk about choices, I'm talking about being optimistic in a way where I'm going to focus on the positive things. So I don't want to really focus on the negative or the bad. So I try to let go of things when people do me wrong. I say, okay, God, I give it to you. Help them. Help that person. I love seeing people do good. I've always been that way. I want to see you shine. I want to see you dress nice. I want to see your bills paid. If I had the money, I'm going to help you. Whatever it takes for you to succeed, I'm going to try to be your supporter. That's how I am. And so the, the main issue for me is that when I pray for vengeance, like for something like that, it was specifically I pray to God that whoever gave my son the gun, that God handles that person appropriately. No one should be giving a minor a weapon at all, ever. And so um, I didn't call the police at all um, because I felt like the, the police isn't a safe space um, for something like that. And so if I was to call the police, they would be, you know, after, you know, they would come really harsh at a person because they have a weapon. And so um, what we did was we handled it as a family. And so... The, the weapon has was recovered by a family member that is licensed, okay? And so that's what I can say. 
And so what I would like to also just note that, you know, when, when we're praying for things and we're praying in a way where we have forgiveness in our heart for people, because yes, I forgive that person, but I believe that their motives and their intentions were not good. I don't know what their intentions were. What would be your intentions on doing something like that? So the good thing about it is that my son, he is like, um, with him being around weapons and stuff like that, he has, he has discipline. He, he should know what to do and what not to do. And so, um, this, this matter was resolved with the family and everything. So I just want to let everybody know that. Um, but just keep me in your prayers, please. Okay. Um, so that's what I wanted to share with you all, but I'm going to go right into, um, I would like, let me share my screen. Okay. And let me get into this word because, uh, I wanted to share the actual video from, um, from church today where the pastor pastor brad this is him right here and so um pastor brad paula white is someone that i've been listening to since i was a teenager paula white was someone my grandmother loved listening to um she has quite a few people that she used to love listening to uh, uh, joyce meyer is another one i i personally don't listen to uh joyce meyer i i have our one or a couple of our books but i've actually hasn't I actually haven't looked at any of her YouTube or anything like that. But Paula White, I am really um, intrigued by the way God moves in her life. And also, um, I've had a couple of my friends listen to Pastor Brad. And they really, really did enjoy the way that he explains things. And um, God is really working in his life. Because he used to be an atheist. He's no longer an atheist. Um, he's a pastor. And so, God has really transformed his life. And so his revelation is uh, really good in the word. And so what, what happens is when God transforms you from, from the old into the new, it's usually what God is doing is um, what, what, you, what you used to do in your past. Like, uh, like just say, for instance, if you were aggressive, instead of you being aggressive for your own justifications, now you are aggressive and you're bold for the kingdom of God. And so that's what God does. He turns around what the enemy intended for bad and God turns it around for good. And so, um, we have Pastor Brad here able to preach the word today because, um, he is a living testimony of what God can do in our life. Right. So let me go ahead and play. And um, if you have any questions, um, that's what I meant to say. If you have any questions, please go ahead. If you're if you're joining me via Zoom webinar, put them in the Q&A and I'll respond to them there. If you have any questions on any of the audio apps, please go ahead and put them in the audio app as well. Okay, so let me go ahead and play uh, Pastor Brad. ...defecting from the God who called you in his grace are turning your allegiance to a different gospel not that there really is another gospel but the point is that there are now among you some persons who are frightening you and whose preaching shows that they wish to change the gospel of christ into its opposite regardless of who might preach it whether i myself or an angel from heaven if someone should preach to you a gospel contrary to the gospel I preach to you, let him stand under God's curse. As I've said before, I say now once again, if someone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you originally received, let him stand under God's curse. There's a couple things 
about this that I do want to Paul's use of the imprecatory here as well. Let me get through that one because it's the easiest. What we call imprecatory is judgment, right? When he says, like, who's here? Raise your hand if you've heard of imprecatory prayers. Ever heard of that? Okay. So if you hear the term imprecatory prayers, that's the prayers of judgment. That's the prayers where, like, that's the ones when you're asking God to, like, smite your enemies. You know, that's like the Psalms when he's like, I'm going to destroy God, smite them and leave them in a hole and let them face hell itself. You know, that's those kinds of prayers, right? And uh, those are popular a lot of times. And, you know, I used to pray imprecatory prayers more until I faced more and more life. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just, let's just all have mercy. Let's just all have grace. After a while, I was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. Let my enemies live. Let me live. God, help me turn the other cheek because this world is tired, man. It's hard. Life is hard. You smite them. They're praying imprecatory prayers against me. They're, everybody's just getting their legs cut off and stones thrown out. And before you know it, everybody, here's why. Yes, God will vindicate you. You pray imprecatory prayers, God will vindicate you. He will. He will smite your enemies. He will cast them down. But let me tell you what happens when your enemies look to the things you've done. This is why Jesus says, what? Judge not, lest you be. It wasn't just a recommendation. He's telling you how the spirit world works. He's saying, look, God operates on a spectrum between judgment and mercy. And he says, don't judge unless you be judged. And he repeatedly repeats this. With the same measure you forgive, you'll be forgiven, right? So when you look to somebody who harms you and you say, Lord, this hurts. I don't have to like them. I don't have to enjoy them. I don't have to be around them, but I need to forgive them, which means release them from your judgment. Release them from your consequences. If you can do that, the next time somebody comes along and points out the thing that you did to damage that relationship, that shady thing you did in your business, that time you mistreated them, that time that you did something to hurt somebody else, God says, you know what? You're right. They did do that, but they've forgiven and so they're forgiven. The only reason that God would hold the same standard against you is to teach you. You're supposed to get to a point after you're pushing judgment to where you go, I'm exhausted by judgment. This, this exhausts me. I, I'm being held to a standard. That, judgment is good for people who think they're righteous. Judgment is good for people who think that they've got it all together. It's good enough for them to go long enough to realize they don't. Then you get it and you're like, okay, I, I'm tired of the judgment. So when we see judgment in the Bible, we need to contextualize it and understand that Paul's just not playing loosey-goosey here. He's just not calling on God to curse people because he's uncomfortable about the situation. He's not just calling on God to curse people. And the reality is this. We have to ask ourselves, do we think that Paul really wants these people to be accursed? That's number one. Do we think that Paul, the deepest desire of Paul's heart is that these people would be separated from the salvation of Jesus Christ? Because these are people, interestingly, that, that are coming in the name of Jesus. They're coming in the name of Jesus. And if we had just the scripture alone, we would be confused as. Okay, so um, I'm going to share that video too. So um, let me share the screen again. I didn't mean to exit out. Oops. 
to whether we should call them brothers or not. But thankfully for another scripture that Paul's dealing with in Corinthians, he calls them false brothers. He says these people are false brothers. And here we have a situation where he's pronouncing a curse and you're saying, why is Paul reacting so strongly to this situation? Okay, so this scripture that he's referring to is in Galatians chapter 1 verses um, 6 through 8. So let's look at this here. Um, Galatians Galatians 1, 6-8. And I really am excited about being able to go over this scripture, okay? Because um, I really wasn't thinking about this until I seen him um, preach about it today. And it was quite interesting because, let me just read it. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Okay, so let me let me just explain um, vengeance. So I talked about this, I like I said, I believe I talked about it last year. I'm trying to see what podcast I talked about this on. Um, It could have been... I think it was love hating, but no, it wasn't that one. It was, um, what's your love status? That's what I talked about it on. What's your love status? And so I talked about the vengeance of God and the vengeance of God is not meant for you to be cursing people. God does not want us to curse people. And I, I gave, I, I believe I gave an example of the reason why you don't want to do that. Um, so the, the main reason why when we pray, for when we pray for vengeance, what we do is we just give it to God, but we, we do it in a way where we give this situation to God for God to deal with. When God deals with the situation, what it means is God is going to help the other person. You want that person to get help. You want that person to succeed. You want them to enter into the kingdom of God. You want them to understand who God is. Because guess what? It's like this. When I when I am talking to people and they're telling me all this other stuff about how they mad and they angry, they hate this person, they don't like this person, she did this and he did that. All of that is unforgiveness. And the reason why you don't want to wish or pray for them to have bad things is because that will come back to you. And so when you pray for vengeance, what you're doing is you asking God, you're saying, God, I want them to do better for your kingdom. I want them to, you know, um, be able to change their life and give their will over to you. That's what that means. But when I talk about God giving justice, right? Justice and vengeance is kind of similar, but when it's justice, God is going to repay those people that are just flat out blatantly wrong. So, for instance, this person who gave my child a tattoo and whoever gave my son a gun with, you know, nobody knows. I don't know. OK, um, whoever gave my son a gun. That means that you were wrong to do something like that, right? 
And even though the situation has been rectified and taken care of, you know, the point of the matter is, is that that person wasn't abiding under a certain principle. You're supposed to have principles and morals and values, right? So if you see something bad happening, how do you intervene? What do you do? Do you continue to let it go on? So things like that, when things like that happen, you want to give God complete authority and control in a way where God, they please take vengeance on a person that is that thinks it's okay to give guns to a minor. So like I said, my son... He has been around guns pretty much his entire life. Um, but the point of the matter is this. You don't go around giving someone else's child a gun. My son didn't have access to guns. Just because he's been around them doesn't mean he had access. He didn't have access, right? And so what the point is, is that my concern is see in the city of chicago you have little children you have nine-year-olds 10-year-olds 12-year-olds 15-year-olds all of these individuals that have access to guns that can actually use a gun and utilize it whenever they feel like it right that isn't the case with in my situation with my child right we had guns but we don't give access to guns to children right without the supervision of a responsible adult period right unless you're practicing in a, in a field or at the gun range or something like that you don't do things like that and so that was a very unethical type of situation so that means that if that person did that would they also do that with other minors right so i have to look at that i, I analyze that i pay attention to that and i'm like okay well god you know that was that was wrong it was unethical who gives a, a gun to a minor? Yes, he's about to be 18. Yes, he can apply for his own um, license. But that doesn't make it right. See, it isn't about who's right. It's about what's right in the situation. So that's wrong. It's unethical. And it goes against all standards, right? So what if that person also would have gave a gun to a 15-year-old? Would that be okay? If they gave a gun to a 13-year-old or, or a 16-year-old? So all of those things are wrong and unethical. And I just want to point out that, you know, we when we pray for vengeance, that, that means that God, God, we're asking you to punish this person and, and, and do what you need to do and take justice. God, take justice on someone that feels that it's okay to give a gun to a minor. Take justice, God. I'm asking you as your child to take justice. On the person that felt like it was okay to give a, a weapon, a gun, to a minor. So that's the difference between, you know, you asking God for vengeance in a way where you want to, you know, see people do well. And yes, I want, I want that person to do well. I want them to have success in their relationship with God. But with God, God is going to allow justice to occur. So I don't need the justice of the law of the land because the law of the land isn't effective, right? But God is effective. It has been already handled in the physical realm aspect, right? Because we've taken care of it as a family unit. 
right? But the issue is, is now that person is still out doing what they're doing. And that's that's the concern. And, and so without having the knowledge of who that person is, you give it over to God. You say, God, I ask you for vengeance in this situation. I ask for you to provide justice in this situation. So that person is not allowed to go and give a, a gun to another minor. For instance, if you know someone who is, you know, um, doing uh, that, that is a sex offender, right? And so that person goes to jail, but they get out. You you pray to God, God, take vengeance on that person. God, God, give justice. You take justice on that person. So that that's what justice is about. Vengeance and justice is about. God provides us justice so for instance if you have hundreds of communities of people there are so many people in communities that are getting no help whatsoever but in each each district each zone each county you have an alderman you have a senator you have congress members each one of them are allocated a certain amount of funds to provide for that community some aldermen can get anywhere a couple million dollars a year to make sure that the community is enhanced. Senators get even more. Let's not talk about the governor's budget on their state. Okay. So the problem is, is that there are too many injustices. There are too many civil injustices. There are too many social injustices. There are a lot of different injustices that are taking place around the world. So who provides the justice? It is God. So in this instance, I pray specifically, I pray to God, God, take justice on every single person that is creating injustice for your children. It doesn't matter if it's social injustice or if it's civil injustice, if it's economic injustice, God, you take justice and you take vengeance. Because see that one person, for instance, I talked about, I talked about um, Congress and how Congress is really impacting, you know, society. But there's a misrepresentation of, um, uh, there isn't an equal distribution of representation. And so what that simply means is that if you're 18 to 25, you don't have enough people representing you in Congress. If you're 26 to 45, you don't have enough people representing you in Congress, right? So Congress is really comprised of people that are over the age of 65. That is the majority of the age population in Congress. And so ideologies or ideas that are, you know, ignited from individuals within that age range, there is nothing wrong with their ideologies many times. However, the lack of representation for individuals between 18 and 25 or 26 and 45, that's an issue because they're not being represented by their age class. So there should be an equal, distri equal distribution. And so when we see these equal, unequal distributions, that can cause, you know, disparities, meaning that can cause inequality, inequity in communities. It could hinder the lives of many people. And so the main issue here is this. Now, I'm not, I love, I love senior citizens. I come from a family of um, my mom's side, really strong military background. And um, 
on you know when it comes to having these morals and values it's it's super significant in my family all right very very strong um uh value system okay um and many times sometimes the morals supersede the logic with certain things and so i would just say that um you know just having that misrepresentation there it hinders the lives of many people and so that isn't just always uh sparked by the age misrepresentation but it also is um impacted by individuals that are you know um motivated by greed you know um motivation motivations are a clear indicator of um behavior so a person's motivation will allow them to behave or act in a certain way because of what they're motivated by if a person is motivated by greed and you know who knows what they're willing to do or capable of doing and so the problem is is that many congress members they do not have a um a employment assessment so just say, for instance, there is an employment assessment for people that go and when they get these assessments, they can analyze their personality assessment, behavior assessment. You can understand what the probability of what they would do um, if they were elected into office. But these things are not considered and they have some of the highest positions in the country, impacting the lives of millions and millions of people. This is an issue. And so when we think about justice, just give that over to God. Say, God, hey, you deal with justice with Congress. You take vengeance on Congress members, God, on every single political person in this world in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what they're doing to your children. So when you are to whom much is given, much is required, for instance, I talked about why I did not want to be a lawyer. You you have to have accountability. And so accountability is very important. And so I am accountable. You know, um, I may not have always done everything right, but I can tell you one thing that I know for sure is that we all make mistakes. And no, not one single person is always going to do everything right. But the point of the matter is, is that we need to exhaust every single aspect of trying to do the right thing. We need to overanalyze sometimes to do the right thing. And so when you're working with the public and you're impacting the lives of millions of people, that is held at a high rate. Okay. And so I do pray for justice. That God gives justice to every single person that tries to sponsor injustice in this world. See, it's just really about people that are in positions of power. They, they utilize their power in a way to abuse their power. And so I don't have any control over that. What I do is just give it over to God. So now when you're praying that God handles the situation. So for instance, if someone have um, wronged you they betrayed you they stole from you they slandered you they gossiped about you you know they all of that these are are people that need to grow in christ wouldn't you say 
your husband cheated on you. Well, my husband cheated on me. My husband had two kids with my best friend. I forgive that man. I moved on. He didn't believe in God. And it was a lot, it's a lot of different things that was going on in that situation. I still forgive that man. You understand? So I want him to do good. And, and the way I've, I've shown that is because I don't have forgiveness in my heart. If he needs something from me, he, he's been able to get it. I can help. I will help you if you need help. If him and his girlfriend have problems in their relationship and they need some help with their bills and I have the money, I'm going to help them. You understand? So like, that's just the way that it is. And so, um, we have to be more prone to seeing people do better so it didn't matter that you know um yes he did that he had two kids with my best friend because he was lost in life he need god he is without god she is without god they need help So to think that it was okay to do that, you know, what can I do about it? That is a that that is a call for prayer in a way. God heal their hearts, whatever has been broken and shattered in their life. God reshape it and repair it. Help him become the father and the man that he needs to be, so that our kids can do better. God, if he does good, he can influence the kids to do good, God. Allow him to be in that you call him to be in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have to be forgiven to people. And when we pray, I, we need to lift these people up in a way where God will change their will influence their will god influence their life inspire their will god inspire their decisions encourage their decisions so that they could do better yes i love them even though they're a thief i still love them god please stop that person from stealing god i don't want to be around them while they stealing god change their heart so they will stop stealing and then they can come back around me that's the way that you pray. So I don't know how the way other people pray, but when I pray for justice, you have to understand what the word of God is saying, okay? So we don't preach anything other than what God is saying in his word. We need to have forgiveness. God takes vengeance on those people that need vengeance. So I've learned this a long time ago. I don't know how many years ago. It's been a long time. But just taking vengeance is not something that you just pray. You don't want to see people do bad. You really want to see them do good. And when you let them go, you let them go to God. And it's like, God, I'm, I'm you, you feel better. It's like there is no bondage. There is no like, you know, it's like I'm not attached to that anymore. Okay, some people that I had people, a person call me and say, look, I know you helped me out and you, you helped me with my paperwork a long time ago. And I really appreciate you. And you know, I never paid you your money, but I'm gonna pay you now. I didn't have two people come back at least, I would say four, three to four years later and pay me back money that they owe me. 
And I just say, you know, I don't need it. You could give it to my mom. I don't need it because like, I, I feel like God healed that person. If somebody work, they deserve to get paid. Period. If they work, they deserve to get paid. If I did something for free, then, hey, I just helped you out. You don't got to pay me nothing. Let me give you an example of this. My old neighbor, she had, um, she had sickle cell anemia. And she was, like, she would be sick a lot. But she had, like, five kids. And she had another baby. And she was stressed out. I seen her so stressed out. And so I, I had a bunch of money and stuff. So I, I spent, like... I gave her $1,000 to spend on her baby before her baby was born. I ordered everything for the baby. I ordered the, the baby warmer, the, the car seat. I ordered the bed. I ordered the clothes. I ordered the stroller. I ordered everything. And I said, I don't want to see you cry. I don't want to see you stressed out. And that little money wasn't even a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because I had way more than that. But the point of the matter is, is it's not about, you know, um, it's not about how you do this and how you do that for a person. It's really about what's in your heart. Do you really want to do this in a way that you want to see somebody succeed? Do you want to see them progress? Do you want to see them do better? So it wasn't just a thousand dollars. I spent another additional six hundred dollars. I didn't want to see her stressed out at all. Now, she had a boyfriend. She got a kids, everything else. I, I just knew that God put it on my heart to help that girl. She isn't the only girl that I helped. My ex-boyfriend. He was in a relationship with 10 for 10 years. And so... She had kids, which was not his kids. And, and, and this girl, she was grown. She's 25 years old. I let her come and live in my house. That's his ex-girlfriend daughter. And her kids. So, like, what I mean by really helping people, you really supposed to help them. Now, if they come in your house and they being rude and disrespectful, it's like some people you just can't help. Because, you know, you just try to do the best that you can and sometimes things don't just always work out. But what I'm saying is we are supposed to genuinely help people. We are supposed to genuinely want to see them do good. And it isn't about going, oh, I, I tell them that I did this and I did that for you. And I did this for you and I did that. And I did this and I did that. So my, my friend's mom didn't have a refrigerator. Well, her refrigerator had went out. And so she was in the house, like putting ice in a, a cooler and putting food in a cooler. And she have kids. They grown. It's not about if, the, if they, she called them. Apparently they didn't get her a refrigerator. So since I had it, I got her, I bought her a refrigerator. I spent about $800 on the refrigerator. A used one. So the, what I'm trying to say is, it's not about, oh, well, why you didn't call your kids? Why you didn't call your boyfriend? Why you didn't call somebody else? Why you calling me? So if I got it, I'm going to help. Understand that and know that. 
So what I'm this is what I'm trying to say. The, the point is, is that some people will still do you wrong even after you, you help them. It doesn't matter about that. Move on and let God. Okay. I just say, God, help them. Help them understand what it means to love. God, show them what it means to really give and really mean it. God, help them because that's what they need. They need help. So it, it doesn't matter about what people say or how they said or what they think. It's about what you do. See, I have, when you have a proven track record, you don't need to explain all of that. I don't need to explain so much. But for some people that don't know, they will want to know. And so I'm going to explain that when I ask for justice, it's for people that can't do anything at all. And they have been enduring injustice. They have endured injustice in a way where it is harming their life. It is causing harm to the people around them. And it is causing harm to themselves. Harm. It can cause harm to oneself. It can cause harm to the people around them. Or it can cause harm in life. So when, when you're praying... And you're praying for God to give justice. You make sure you know what that justice is. Is that justice causing harm in your life? Could it cause harm in your life where it can become detrimental? To your overall quality of life. So somebody, because somebody's gossiped about you or because somebody slandered you does not equate to God taking vengeance on your behalf. So we got to know the difference. So I pray right now. I pray that I pray God that you allow us all each and every person to have comprehension in a way where we can comprehend your word interpret your word and have revelation of your word let us be able to see and hear the way you see and hear so we can understand things from your perspective god do not let us be deceived lord because we have the mind of christ god thank you god for giving us your mind lord jesus please do not let us be deceived about your word god in the name of jesus christ it is still in your blood and so um so let me let me go to that scripture so that everybody can have that too. Um, so if you go to Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Dearly, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. So God's wrath will fall on people who you pray vengeance for. That's Romans 12 and 19. But remember, that's only if the that something is happening 
where it can cause harm or is causing harm. And no one can do anything about it. So that's that's when powers are being forced upon you that, that you don't have you can't do anything besides pray. You get that prayer over to God. God take vengeance in this situation. There are people in positions of power that are abusing their authority. God, take vengeance in this situation, Lord. That's there, that's right. You know, and, and so what God, God had literally talked to me the other day about this. And um this is what the this what I understood about what God was saying. So I had let go of the situation. I did. I, I really did. I, I completely let it go. So I've let that situation go because I let God have the ability, ability to take vengeance and God's wrath is going to fall on whoever gave my son a gun. It's like, I, I really do want to see them do good. But God, I do not want them to give no guns to minors. And so the problem is, is that what God said is that you giving this to me. You're showing that you trust me. And this is what God said. This is why he needs to return. And so he said, he said, he said, I need to return to give my wrath. And then I said, God, well, you know, everybody's not ready for that. So I thought about it again. I was like, well, God, you know, it is, it's, you know, people in my family, that I would love to see them to have a good close relationship that I would love to pray with them that I don't talk to. I don't have a phone number. I thought about that. So when we pray for vengeance, we're literally praying for God to come back. And so that was a different perspective that God gave me that I wasn't aware before praying that because that's not normally how I pray. And so when I did, God said that there are a lot of people in this world that needs justice. And he is going to return justice. The thing is, is that when we pray that, we are also bringing about the return of God much sooner. And so I felt like God was held, was keeping me at a higher rate of accountability there, right? And then when I seen Pastor Brad talk about it today, that was just confirmation because God gives us confirmation in his word. And so 
I would like for justice to take place for each and every person that has given a minor a gun. Specifically minors that, you know, don't need access. And so, um, that's what God told me. All right. And I just, I just wanted to share that. Um, I know that I'm talking about women's health, but this is so important when we talk about forgiveness and judgment. Cause, um, I was taught, I was on, the, um, I, I had been talking about, uh, positivity, just staying positive, you know? And, um, so let me, let me go down here to where I was. So when we when we pray for that, and this is I realized this the other day. This is before Pastor Brad was even preaching. So um, yeah, and uh, let's see here. So so I left off on Friday at staying positive and how we should do things. Um, do things in our spare time. Go out to eat. Go out. Uh, bike riding, watch Christian movies, listen to Christian music, and stuff like that. But when we when we really think about this, um, we shouldn't ponder on things that is not going to be beneficial in our walk with Christ. So if you sit back and you thinking about all of these bad things you've been through in your life and how it's so hard, and you know, like we can't blame anyone. When when we when we think about life, you can't blame anybody. I mean, you you have the choice to blame others. That's called scapegoating, though. And so you scapegoat. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why are you scapegoating? You still we still have to be accountable. If that person hurt your feelings, why was that person allowed to hurt your feelings? You allowed that person in your life to hurt your feelings. So whose fault was that? It was yours. If I choose a man that God wasn't in, included in that decision, but I'm like, oh God, yes, this is it. This is it. This is what, oh yes, this is, I choose him. Was God included in that situation? Was God included in the decision? No. So it's just like a little situation that I was just in. It was like, well, you know, I just need complete utter space. I don't want to even be in the presence of the other person because I feel that if, if we're going to be doing things that is not pleasing to God, I don't want to be around it at all. So if I if I if I put myself in a position to be around it, whose fault is that? It's mine. It's mine. If I don't have a job, whose fault is that? It's mine. So since I've been looking for a job, because I have, so I've decided to volunteer. So I'm going to just be volunteering and hopefully I will become a board member. I've tried trying to uh, become a board member at two different organizations. And then I applied about 
10 different volunteer organizations. So hopefully I will be able to do that until up into the point of after my graduation. So for instance, like the last guy that I was just talking to, it was just like, you know, he's so focused and determined and everything. Um, but the way I feel in life, I'm going to explain something to you all. I'm not going to go full stream with my business. I have a nonprofit or a corporation. If I don't have the manpower, the location or anything that I'm doing, I don't have the I don't have the time to be 100% to my business. So it would be a foolish ideology for me to sit here and say, okay, well, let me go ahead and let me just get some, uh, start doing some stuff for my business. I'm already doing things for my business right now. I can't go 70% in. I don't have the time. So when I'm doing something, if I was to, if I, if I go full stream into my business and I don't have the manpower to do that, what am I going to do? I'm going to be the janitor. I'm going to be the secretary. I'm going to be the CEO. And then I'm going to be the vice president. Absolutely not. I'm not going to overwhelm myself in those areas because why? Because God has given me the mind of Christ. And I know that when I'm not prepared to do something, I am not going to take on that responsibility. So God has given me the ability to not have to rush into anything. I don't need to rush into anything at all. Once I finish school, then God has goals. See, sometimes it's okay to move at a turtle pace because when you move at a turtle pace, guess what? You can move and you can see things at a slow pace you see things from a different perspective than when you're moving too fast. Most of the time I'm in the house, I'm reading, I'm doing praise and worship to God. I'm analyzing, I'm, I'm doing all type of stuff. I, I am really, really being productive. The most time that I talk is when I'm doing my podcast. So like my lifestyle is set up a certain way. God is sanctifying me. God is purifying my life. God is guiding me. He's leading me exactly where I need to be. It's, a very, it's important for me to hear the voice of the Lord. How many more people feel like it's important for them to hear God? It's important for me to hear God, for me to follow him, for me to be inspired by him, encouraged by him. I had someone just recently tell me yesterday, well, yeah, yesterday they say, well, you know, you should, you should have joy and, and listen to some regular music. And I'm like, why are you texting me this? <laughs> because I'm sitting up here praising, worshiping God all day. And this person comes and sends me a text and talking about, I need to listen to some, um, old school music and i'm like 
why i am happy with god being in my life see god has impacted my life in a way where i desire god i crave more of god i want god in my life every day all day so if god has changed my life to the point where i know what i want if god hasn't changed your life to the point where you know what you want and, and and god is who you want don't try to make god not be something that i want because god is not something that you want don't force me to do something that you don't want to do because i'm gonna still do what god wants me to do and just because you don't see how god can make a person happy that's just too bad because i don't want the sin that you attach to because see the sin that you want is the sin that's gonna make you stressed out and depressed and i don't want no stress i don't want no depression the life that you're living that's gonna cause anxiety i don't want no anxiety i don't have no anxiety See, I live my life, I wake up, I eat, I play my gospel music and give praise and worship to the Lord. Because I'm thankful for what the things that God has done for me. I'm thankful for how God has impacted my life. I'm thankful for God being full time in my life. I'm thankful for that because see, I knew so many people that I had to go from having a page that had over 5,000 people to now I got a few hundred friends. Because when you work and you network with a lot of people, everyone wants to talk to you because you are considered the connected person that they want to be connected to. that's not what i want anymore i don't want nobody calling my phone asking me oh well can you do this can you do this can you do this paperwork can you do that paperwork there are a lot of people that i won't do business with at all it doesn't matter about the the number or price that is attached to it i don't care if i don't have anything in my account i have a code of standards God gives us provisions for us to follow. Let, let's talk about some of the provisions of God. Let's talk about that really quick. Let's talk about some of the provisions that God has for us. One second, my computer is kind of messing up a little bit, jumping. So one second here. So, um, one second, let me pull this up. One second. I haven't even clicked on that. Now I got to go all the way back. 
So let's look at this scripture here though. Okay. Um, while my other screen is pulling up. So we're going to look at um, Matthew 28 verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had um, told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what this means is there are people that still doubt, even though they seen miracles, even though they seen Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead. There are people that is in this world today, in society today, that still have heard of miracles, have seen miracles take place, and they still doubt and unbelief. So they don't have no excuse. We see in Romans 1 and 20. Let's go to Romans 1 and 20 real quick. Romans 1 and 20. It specifically talks about, um, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So we see that. We see that this is one of God's provisions. Go and make disciples. It didn't say go and make Christians. The word Christian is only in the Bible three times. Christian is not a religion. It is a religion, right? But Christian is, is not like a belief. You have a well, belief is faith in God. Uh, a, a child of God is a disciple, a, a servant, an ambassador, right? The word Christian is only mentioned three times. So how significant is that? So we have to see here that God is saying, God is giving us a provision here. If you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I surely am with you always to the very end of the age. God going to be with us to the very end of the age, no matter what. So God has provisions for us. So going back to what Pastor Brad was preaching about um, initially about the gospel and how there should be no other gospel. Yes, what we should be doing is focusing on what God is telling us in his word. If you read the word, even if you don't like if you listen to the Bible, play it on your phone. It becomes alive in your life. God's word is present. He is there right there. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. God becomes right there where you are. He is right there in the midst of you. He right there. His word becomes alive. So you get a comprehension and you get understanding of what God wants you to do. When you constantly hear the word of God over and over, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So what do you think doubt? Doubt and unbelief 
comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing down in unbelief. So you become subjected to that which you are in the environment all the time. You become the subject of that environment. So if you are always uh, surrounded with doubt and unbelief, you're going to walk around and have doubt and unbelief. Because that's all you hear is doubt and unbelief. If you, if you sit here and you always listen to somebody that's talking about cheating and they're thinking about booties all the time and other women and this girl is always thinking about cheating on her husband and this girl is always thinking about the car that a man driving or the shoes that he's wearing or the house that he has, then your mind is going to be focused on material things and sexual immorality. If you surround yourself in environments that is only inclusive of sexual immorality, then guess what? You're going to become a part of that sexual immorality. So what you hear on a regular basis impacts your ideology. It impacts your mind. So I want to go to... um. Let's go to, uh, so we need to remember to do things alone in your spare time by going out to eat. Go do some bike riding. Watch some Christian movies. Listen to Christian music. So, um, yesterday, so I've been working, when I work out, let me just give you all this example. I've been working out and, um, during the, me watching a movie. So I, I normally don't watch television. The only time I really cut my TV on is to do praise and worship and listen to God. I'm giving praise and worship to God. So, um, so every day I have been watching Pure Flicks. So Pure Flicks is like Christian movies. And um, yesterday I watched, uh, it's called Wedding, what is it, what is it called? Wedding Screeners. So on Friday I watched, uh, divine influencer so this this movie about wedding wedding screeners it's about a man who um became a widow and his wife basically she left in her will that she wanted her kids to find a new mom after she passed away this is in her will so that, you know, and that they, she wanted them to be a part of the process of them finding a new mom for their dad because they were so young. And he, and so her sister was there, you know, like, um, supporting her deceased sister idea of, you know, like trying to get a new mom for their dad, trying to fulfill her sister's last wish. And so the kids, basically they put him on, um, a screening, uh, app for a, a new mom and so they interview her they interview so many different women but the only way that he could go on a date with one is if they all three agreed that they liked the one lady so it was only one lady that they ended up liking and it was a whole bunch of them that they interviewed but they were you know it was really difficult for them because just those interview questions it wasn't enough to like really figure out who they really liked but the one lady they did all agree on, it turned out to be a good pick. 
So the point of the matter is that like I was sitting there doing my exercising and also watching the movie at the same time. So in this process, it's like God is allowing me to still have some type of other entertainment. Even though watching television is not something that I would consider to be like exciting to do. Because by me being a logical thinker, I am an analyzer. And pretty much sometimes when I'm watching television, I can project what is going to happen next. And it's like, okay, this is not exciting. It's boring. I know what's going to happen in this movie. I've never seen it. But you can tell that this is going to happen to her and she's doing that for this. And it's like you just figure out the entire movie. And I don't like watching movies that I can guess that easy. It's like it's not exciting. Like, you know. And um, so I've been watching a couple movies and it's been turning out right. But what I'm saying is sometimes we could do things that we normally are not comfortable with doing. So I'm not used to watching television. I don't know nothing about the Hollywood wives of Hawaii or, you know, of, of Alaska. All right. I don't know nothing about that. What I do know is I know Christian music. All right. And so I've never been a person to sit there and go uh, watch a whole bunch of television at all. So when I'm that, I did that a lot when I was a kid. But the point of the matter is sometimes God will want us to do things to we improve our lives when we do things outside of our comfort zone. So even though I'm like, I don't like watching TV. I don't. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to just sit there and like watch a movie. And then if I'm doing it too often, I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing nothing positive or productive. Like how I can't sit here and watch TV all day. Like even if, okay, if it's one movie, that's fine. But if I'm, if I'm sitting there watching like two or three movies, that that's overwhelming. Now I didn't waste too much of my day not doing nothing. So I believe in, you know, appropriating my time. So what God is showing me is that we have to do things outside of our comfort zone. Even if you don't like doing that, sometimes that's what you have to do in order for you to improve and go to the next area of your life. So it's really not about, it's not really about me sitting there watching the movie. It's just really about, can I do something outside of my comfort zone and so i'm gonna challenge you all can you all do something that is outside of your comfort zone so if you like social media could you not have no access to social media for a day you know challenge yourself we have to challenge ourselves to do better so like okay i'm already on this bicycle and now i'm sitting here watching the movie these are two things that is like ah that's a lot <laughs> so god is just when god improves your life he's just gonna continue to do things in a way where he improves it and so you can do things in your spare time like go out to eat if you normally don't go out to eat go out to eat if you don't go bike riding then go bike riding so I was thinking about going and give me an actual bicycle and then start going bike riding too. So now I'm also watching um, movies, right? I always listen to Christian music. That's something that's normal for me. So um, let's, let's turn to Deuteronomy 31 and 6. 
So Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, be strong and courageous. What this means is that it's not about you just feeling like, um, it's not about you being weak. So you, you can already, you like, oh, well, I'm strong already. I'm already courageous. So that don't apply to me. It does. Because whatever you have good qualities of, your good qualities can always be enhanced. They can always be strengthened. Strengthened. So your strengths can turn into enhancements. So just because you're strong and courageous now, God can make you even more strong and courageous. So it's like, okay, God, I'm strong. God, I'm courageous. Allow me to be stronger and more courageous, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. So everything in the word of God applies either to someone you know, or it could apply to you directly. It could apply indirectly to somebody else that you don't know, but, but that other person may know somebody that it does apply to. So everything good works for the for the good of the purpose of them who love God and those that are called according to his will. So it said, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So it doesn't matter about who you think your enemy is or what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you think that um, you, you're defeated. God does not want you to be dismayed. He does not want you to have fear. So that's just simple as that. So just be strong. So it says in verse eight, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So we know that God would never leave us and he would never forsake us because he's always going to be there. So let's go to this other um, chapter. Uh, let's go to, yeah, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. So when you're going through some problems or whatever you're going through, right? You may be feeling like, okay, well, I don't have anything to do. Be sad, sit here and sob into your situation. And let me explain to you. Sometimes the situation that we're going through or the experience that we're going through, it can be very hard and difficult. And so it's like, well, how can I get my mind off of this? You know, like your husband's cheated. How do you get your mind off of him cheating on you? It's like, wait a minute, your kids that messed up in school, they didn't dropped out of school, they didn't dropped out of college. How do you get your mind off of this? How do you go on? You didn't lost your job. How do you pay these bills? First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. A lot of things will bring you anxiety. But when you give it over to God, guess what? He going to take care of it. 
That's it. I just say, okay, God, wh what do I do next? I don't want to think about this, God. So I take my thoughts into captivity for anything that would exalt itself above your knowledge. And I make my thoughts obedient to Christ right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want my man consumed with this problem, God. I trust you, Lord. I trust that you're going to straighten this situation out, Lord God. And I just think about, you know, think about God's invisible qualities. He created gravity. You see, you, you can't see gravity. But gravity exists. You, God created air. You can't see air. But God created it. God gave me a breath. We got breath of life. We breathe in, we breathe out. And guess what? If, if people created anything, they, they only, only gonna make it, uh, where it malfunctions at some point. God gave us breath of life. Well, we not robotic. We're not going to malfunction because guess what? He allows us to keep going. So I think about all the great things that God has done. And I know that I can trust God. We can trust God. So I trust God to bring justice. I trust God to help my enemies who clearly may not like me, but I trust that God is going to change their hearts and God is going to soften their hearts. Because there's no, no reason for you not to like God's children. It's simple as that. God's children are like him. They're striving to be like him. They're striving to do better. They're trying to do better. They're always going to improve and do better. So God is in their life. They have a direct connection with God, communication with God. What reason would it be for you not to like God's children? And if you don't like them, you got to pray for them. Pray for them to do better in their attitude. Pray for them to do better in a forgiveness level. Pray for them to do better in a giving. Pray for them to do better in a communication. There's a difference between people being lost and then people that have completely giving up their entire will to the Lord, to, to the world. So, you know, we have to understand that Satan is out here going to and from the earth, seeking whom he may de devour. Okay. So we need to cast all of our problems and anxieties, whatever it may be in your life. You need to give it over to God because you can trust God. You mean to tell me you can go to work, you can trust your manager, the 
pay you your job to pay you you could trust your friends to be there for you you could trust your friends to show up at your birthday parties and your parties and, and your baby showers you could trust all of these people so but when you gonna trust god you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting something different to happen why Hell, if, have you ever trusted God before? Because if you don't trust God on a regular basis, maybe it's time that you start understanding who God is and then be able to, for you to be able to trust him once. Trust God one or two times and see what happens. Say, God, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, can you please do this? Can you please help me do this? Can you please allow for me to get this job? Can you please open up doors in my life? Can you please help me? But when God is, God is giving you solutions, God say, get up and go do this. God will send a person in your life to speak to you. And you just turn down everything they say. You, you just... Forget about everything that they tell you because you don't want to hear it. But God sent that person to speak to you. Are they saying something bad to you? Are they saying something that is going to hinder your life? Are they saying something to you where it's going to harm your life? Because if they are not, God sent them in your life. They saying something good to you, then God sent them in your life. If somebody is having a conversation with you, asking you questions about things, having conversation with you, and, and you're unwilling to listen, that means you unwilling to learn. We need to be willing to listen to what people have to say. Because God could be using those questions. God could be using that conversation to open up a conversation that will lead to teaching them that will lead to teaching you so if you reject it then guess what you're not rejecting that person you're rejecting god that sent that person so god's children we don't worry about stuff like that it's like when you when you know how to walk in forgiveness god use you more and when God use you no more, that means that you don't hold on to things when people reject you. Rejection is to me. So you just have to keep moving. It's like, okay, all right, now what's next? You just said this. Okay, that's fine. So like right before my podcast, I get somebody to send me an email. They're like, um, we would like to help you with subscribers, organic subscribers and viewers. And I, it's like every week I get these emails. I get multiple emails from people that want to help me expand my subscribers. Let me, let me help your branding. I'm like, well, you know, when I look at my website, I have over a hundred and some thousand people that have viewed my website and i haven't even had it for that long 
not doing anything to nothing. I have Google sites on my page that monitors my numbers for my website. So it's like, okay, well, just because social media isn't showing people, but there are a lot of people that click and read my content. So I'm not too concerned. I don't, I don't like to be distracted. So what I ask God for most of the time, I say, God, please don't not let me get distracted. I don't want to get distracted by the wrong stuff. God, keep me focused on what I need to so that I can fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. Whatever it takes, God, let me fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. See, I don't need no distractions. I, I don't want to focus on no marketing. I don't want to focus on organic subscribers of yours. When I analyze the numbers, I pay attention to the analytics. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. So just because you don't see what I see doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means that the algorithms is not allowing you to, you know, me to have certain subscribers. That's fine. But am I getting activity being made on my uh, pages? Absolutely. That's why I made a post about it today. So that's what I'm saying. You know, like we have to be able to understand everything that what God is saying. So yesterday last night um no actually this is this is what i was focused on when i was when i was listening to uh pastor brad earlier so this is what god was um god was speaking to me about hold on let me pull up this scripture Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know how the screen just got stuck like that, but okay, there we go. Okay, I want to, I wanted to compare these two scriptures. I've done this before on a previous podcast, but I just want to do it again, okay? So let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So... People that don't believe in God, they are being blinded by the devil, by Satan. Let me let me go to the uh King. That was the English Standard Version. Let me look at the King James Bible. So it says, In in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So the devil, the, the God of this world, the enemy, Satan, he has blinded, he has blinded the, the, the uh, minds of people that do not believe. Their minds is so blinded that the God of glory, our God, the King of Kings, okay, our God cannot shine into them because their minds are blinded by the world. So if they, when they focus on the things of this world and they are um, loving this world and they love the money of this world and they love the houses and they love the women and the women love the men. When you're focused on all of the things of this world, your mind is blinded. So God can't enter into you. The light of God can't shine into you. So it is, it's, it's like when we as believers are speaking to people that don't have the light of God shining into them, we have to have mercy. And the way that we have mercy is we, we, you know, we have to pray for people. They don't have the light of God shining in their lives. So do you think that just because like I am not married anymore that you think I don't have love for my ex-husband? Yes, I do. Would I ever be with him again? No. In the name of Jesus Christ. No, that, that situation is over. But what I'm trying to explain is, is that you have to understand that God wants us to have mercy on people in a way where when you see that the, the light of God is not shining in them. We still have to deal with what we need to deal with. So I promise it would have been so much easier for me to just let go and just give up a lot of things. Like for instance, I could have just easy, just I got accepted into another school, went on and went somewhere else. Or I could easily just quit that job and go to a different job. Why not? Right? It's like, no. Sometimes God wants us to impact the lives of people that are unbelievers. So everything happens for a reason. God positions you somewhere where God wants you to be exactly where you are. You are exactly where you need to be. I'm exactly where I need to be. Because of God. So when, when God wants to impact the people that don't believe, we are supposed to sit there and understand that when someone is deceived, how do they know that they are deceived? They don't know that they are deceived. So I'm going to say it again. When someone is deceived, how do they know that they are deceived? They don't know. And so for that reason, that should give you the ability to have mercy on them. That is how I have mercy on people. I be like, Lord Jesus, what is wrong with that person? Like, how you don't know this? And God say, well, wait, it's not about you. 
If someone is deceived, how do they know that they are deceived? They don't know. They don't. So when we look here in John 12 and 40, I, this is the English Standard Version again. Let me go to the, um, I, let me look at the Amplified Version. I normally don't look at it from here, but um, it says John 12 and 40, he had blinded their eyes and he hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and should turn and I should heal them. So God is now blinding their eyes, hardening their hearts. So they can't perceive anything in their heart. If they could, they would turn and God would heal them. But see, they still the same because they don't believe that they need healing. But you see it. It's like, well, wait a minute. You, you're blind. What is it that you don't see? If that man is constantly beating you almost half to death, why are you still staying with that man? Everybody else can see it except for you. So God doesn't want you to be in a, in a relationship or a marriage where you being abused. It says in the Bible that the man should treat his wife as he treats him, his own body. And so he lovingly cares for his body. He's not going to go in a corner and beat himself up. He's not going to go on, on in the corner and crack himself upside the head. Or bust his own nose. So in that instance, when a man is a physically causing abuse, then you can get a divorce. But just understand that he had blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. So when somebody is blind and their hearts is hardened, God wants us to pray that their eyes are open, that their hearts get like get softened and that they will be able to see and perceive in their heart and turn away from wickedness and so god can heal them so this prayer right here is basically what i pray for when i'm praying for people that are my enemies god let them turn away from their evil wickedness god soften their hearts for you and allow them to walk in the righteousness that you call them to be let them see what they doing show them they actions show them their own behavior convict their hearts god so that they can turn away and do good turn away from evil and do good so that's it it's simple as that that's the way that you pray that's it that's all so now i'm going to end tonight with that i'm already at the two hour mark so let me go ahead and pray okay Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for just being in our lives to give us your word today, God. Thank you for using me. We, we say yes to your will. We say yes to your plan. We say yes to your purpose. We say yes to wherever you want us to go, God. We say yes to whenever you want us to go. We say yes to however you want us to say it. We say yes to whatever tone you want us to say it to, whoever you want us to say it to, God. We say yes to whatever it is that you want, God. And God, we just ask that you just help everybody in this world understand what your plan, will, and purpose is, God. Uproot everything out of us 
that is deceitful, that is uh, not of you, that is not favorable to you. God, uproot those things out of our life. Uproot everything in our life that you did not put there, God, and replace it with those things that are favorable to you, that are honest and truthful and, and trustworthy and loving and kind and, and pure, God. Replace it with those things, God. Help us to overcome whatever unbelief that we have in our life. Help us to overcome whatever struggle it is that we're going through, God. Help us to overcome everything that we need to so that we can be victorious, God. You have given us every single tool that we need to be victorious in this life, Lord. So please, God, allow us to be victorious. Let us walk in victory, God. Let us dominate. Father God, thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Allow your Holy Spirit to dominate every single spirit in this world. Let us walk in the authority of your Holy Spirit, God. Let us dominate with every single person that we come in contact with, God. Let us influence them through the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, please allow your will to be done, not ours, but yours. In Jesus' name, it is sealed in your blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it so much. Um, Please, if you have any questions about any podcast or if you wanted to suggest a topic, please send me an email directly at Deanna Watson at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. If you were interested in getting prayer, Please send me a uh, send a prayer request to lawslifehelp at suddenchangescorporation.org. If you also needed to do community service that was a mandate by court, or if you wanted to do an internship, uh, please send an email to info at suddenchangescorporation.org. Don't forget to share on all of your social media outlets and like the page. And once again, thank you all so much for joining me. I'll continue on in this discussion tomorrow. You all have a blessed night.